Hello everyone and welcome back to Aveste Origins episode 5. Today we are joined by an amazing guest, Sarah Aquasombi. Sarah is a streetwear designer and the owner of Not That Deep Clothing, a brand that we have on Aveste, uh, so you must check them out. She is also a serial entrepreneur and a best-selling Sunday Times author of a book called The Money Is Coming. We're going to talk about how Web3 could change streetwear forever, hypnosis, meditation, how Sarah's learning Korean, spirituality, the purpose of NFTs, and how she created Not That Deep Clothing. So let's go straight into it. Have you ever been hypnotized? Yeah, like, like with her loads of times. Really? And then when I had my, well, with both daughters, I did hypnotherapy with uh, like hypnobirthing or whatever they call it with both. It's not what you think. Wow. Explain yeah, hypnobirthing. Yeah, let's, it's not, let's I mean, get into this. Yeah. Okay, hypnobirthing is like, it's literally just about trying to put yourself in a really relaxed state so that you don't freak out and so that obviously you can like breathe through the pain. That's basically it. Wow. Yeah. Do you fit, did it help? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, I guess to an extent, like I think you can keep yourself like calm for longer. Yeah. But obviously it's still painful. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she, because she's a hypnotherapist and she's like literally my best friend, we, she will often just be like, if I'm going through something, I'm having a hard time with something, she'll like write me a little like script and then like read it out. It's really, really? good. Mm. Or just to, like she'll give you a call or you'll meet up. And no, we can like, yeah, if we're hanging out. Yeah. So we'll like have a chat about like what it is and then she'll be like, oh, does it have a feeling or does it have like a colour if you think about it? It's all like kind of symbolic. Yeah. And then she'll just kind of, it's it's not like, oh, you get put under. You're just basically listening to something really relaxing, like what we were just saying. Because that's yeah. what I think people think of when they yeah, think of they hypnotherapy. Think like, un, you know, you've seen things on people going on stages and performing strange actions when they've been put under yeah, by like Darren rubbish. Brown when he it's clicks rubbish. his fingers and then they're suddenly under. So yeah, when I think of hypnotherapy, that's what I think of. Yeah, but it's not that. It's not that. It's not that at is, all. Does that exist or is that all just rubbish? I think that's just completely made up. It's just complete. I think that's just telly. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be a chicken ever. No, that's exactly, I remember. I'm actually like anti-hypnosis, like as in like I'm actively like, I'd never want to be a chicken for God's sake. Because of that. Yeah. Well, that, she's always saying, she's like all that stuff in like the 90s or whatever, like really put, like the idea of it is just completely. Ruined hypnosis. Yeah, it's just complete misconceptions, the whole thing because of that. Yeah. So yeah. I want to ask you about something because Jake and I want to do this. Have you ever done flotation tanks? No. Are you interested in doing it? Yeah, are we going together or? No, no, no. no. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, let's as, go, guys. As in, like, I think, I think for us, because for us, right, we're always listening to these shows and they're going, like, flotation tank, it's transcendental. Like, you mm. can, like, completely switch off and relax. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm really interested in, like, trying yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't done it, but I've got friends that have done it and they said they really like it. Really? Yeah, because I think it's, like, the perfect temperature, isn't it? So you yeah. just sort of, like, feel like you're floating. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. full of salt too. So it's like yeah. you feel weightless and you're just suspended in this kind of like animation. We were saying mm -hmm. it has to, it would have to be guided though, because like we would like struggle to like switch off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, maybe they do something. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. because it's just dark and you've sort of got nothing else to like look at. Yeah. You're just like staring. And there's no time. audio. And no. yeah, yeah. I, so yeah. I'm interested in. I'm, I'm interested up for in it. it. I definitely want to try it. Where did we find one? There was one in London Bridge or Vauxhall. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll do it for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, you might have, like have some realizations about life. I oh, don't. They they were saying like because um, you can book like two hour slots, mm. and they were like, don't do two hours your first time. 
And no, like, I feel like I could barely probably do 10 minutes. I know. I'd be like... <laughs> yeah. What is going on here? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, would you feel claustrophobic doing it? That, that would be my concern because I'm quite claustrophobic. But friends have done it and they said it doesn't feel like that. It feels quite... Because I guess you get in it, it's quite big yeah. inside. So yeah. maybe not. Is it pitch black in there or... Is there some kind of like ambient lighting? Maybe there must be. Yeah. I think there are some ambient lights, but that's sort of like your guardrails. That's sure. like bowling with the the the, the walls up. <laughs> so you, mean, you know. So I think they say like go pitch black because you're meant yeah. to be no sight, no audio, yeah. and and then, and then you start hallucinating. No touch. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jake wants to be completely tripping in the. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Without having to take before any. Before you go in and then see what. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would be promo. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's like a year down the line. Yeah. In terms of like what you do in like your daily practice, like both manifesting, uh, like meditation, things like that. Mm. What what is like your daily routine? Like I don't really, I don't really have one. No. No. Like I'd say, like if I can feel that I'm getting a bit uh, like pessimistic about like the world, because obviously, like with everything going on at the moment and news and everything, it's just like a lot. Yeah. So I feel like if I can feel myself getting a bit pessimistic, then I we'll watch like 10, 15 minutes of Abraham Hicks in the morning on YouTube. Yeah. Because um, there's just so many videos. Yeah. Which is just like a kind of old school manifesting, like law of attraction kind of thing. That's probably about it. And then I do like a bit of tarot cards and stuff like that for myself sometimes, but I definitely don't have like a practice. No. I'd love to have one. I should be a bit more disciplined. Yeah, like a daily like wake up. Because I know a lot mm. of people at the moment are sort of waking up, having just even 10 minutes as part of their sort of wake up routine. Just to yeah, sort but of I center. have two kids. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was going to say, like, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, up until 9am, it's like, ah, like chaos going around the house. So there's like no chance. Yeah. Back in the day, would you say like you you were like you were able to do that more before you had kids? Or, or has mm. that come later in life? Like the your sort of interest no. in meditation? Yeah, I was probably more, I did do some things and I like would read things and stuff like that. But I think you just, as you get older, I think you become more self-aware. You become more aware of like when you're having bad days, when you're having good days. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I can't remember a time before children. It's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. Remind us how old your children are as well. Uh, my, my eldest is nearly 10 and the youngest is three. Wow. Mm. You know, Josh and I look at, we've got a long list of things to talk to you about today, Sarah. And uh, (laughs) in fact, you've got children as well. And we're like, how on earth does she pull all of these different things off? Um, Mm. Should we we start with Not That Deep? I think that would be the best place to start, wouldn't it? So for people that don't know what Not That Deep clothing is, yeah, tell us what it is. Well, it's a little streetwear brand. It's basically like my little... I hate the word side hustle, but it's like my, it's just my little side fun creative project. I think like I sort of know in my mind that it would be really difficult for me to make it something that is going to be like the business that is my business and is going to be like, oh, I'm going to make loads of money off it. It's going to be really successful because I think it's so difficult, like fashion, streetwear, like any kind of product business I think is really hard. Um, but I love just being able to go, oh, I feel like making this design or, you know, if I can't find something that I want to wear or, um, yeah, just like, it's just like a chance to explore ideas that I've got in my head, really. Yeah. If you can't find something, just make it for yourself. I mean, I said that and I sort of 
then was like, that's really stupid because in the world there's definitely clothes that like I would wear that I do I wouldn't need to make the thing that I want. But it's more just yeah, I guess I've always been quite creative and so I've and I've always loved clothes. I've always loved streetwear. I've always like dressed a certain way even before it was really like obviously sure. streetwear, tracksuits, trainers, like this is just so such a normal part of like our everyday wardrobes now but when I was like 15 that wasn't what everyone wore sure and like to be a girl wearing like a tracksuit a big baggy tracksuit and trainers like everywhere I'd never wear heels like it wasn't the norm sure and so I've kind of just always loved it and I've always (coughs) felt my most confident and most myself in like a big baggy tracksuit and trainers so yeah to me it's just kind of like I love it if there's a chance to make something that is my own within it and then like try and challenge myself to like do something a bit more interesting or make it more sustainable or something like that then yeah it's just like a fun project basically. love it and people are clearly liking the stuff as well we spoke to billy yesterday who loves the green sweater yeah. people are clearly receiving it quite well as well yeah. which must feel nice right yeah i think so it is nice i mean i've kind of because of the different businesses that I've had before, I do know what that feeling of like everyone really like being into what you're doing sure. and like that take up feels like. So it's kind of weird because I guess for any other like startup sh- fashion or streetwear brand, they'd be like, oh my God, but you're selling and people really like it. You've got like this amount of followers, which isn't loads by any means. Like, but to me, I'm kind of like, oh, it's just like, it doesn't feel that big. Sure. It doesn't really feel like... Com- comparatively to like the Stuff successes I've had before um but it's much more just about like personal fulfillment really sure it's your creative yeah. outlet and yeah. would you say it's your main creative outlet at the minute yeah I think so like I'll I'll make bits of music like here and there because that's like where I started um but then I do that with my brother and it's really hard for us to like make our schedules like work together. Sure. So we kind of go through like six months where we'll like make loads and then we have like another six months where we do nothing. Um, but yeah, that, what else do I do? And then I think I just, I love learning. So I'm learning Korean. I love playing chess. So I want to like learn about how to play chess. Um, I love Formula One. Like there'll just be all these other little things. That I just I'm into lots of things, and yeah, I think yeah. people don't really. They're like, "What? What are you? I don't get it." Like you just. <laughs> I'm everything. <laughs> tomorrow you're really into this, and then that last week you're really into that, and I'm just like, "Well, so like that's what's fine with that." Yeah, but mm. you can obviously spread yourself too thin. Do you but try? Do you, do you struggle with that? Would you say? I don't struggle with it personally because. If I like things, I don't find that I feel like I'm spreading myself thin. Like I just, I love it. So I'm like into it. But there's definitely like a perception issue. Like when you do lots of things or you've done lots of things in different fields or you've had like varying successes in different things. Like people don't really, like they don't know where to put you. And I feel like that's just been the story of my life. Like even from when I was doing music, it was all different genres and it would be like this type of tune and then that type of tune and then that and people didn't really know where to put me and that's kind of just continued like through my life like I've done so many different jobs like I find it so hard to make a CV or like my LinkedIn profile I'm like oh well I can make this pattern of my work history if I want to look like I do marketing if I want to look like I'm a creative then I can pull all these other things different things I've done if I want to look like 
I'm more in education. I can pull all these different things that I've done. So I think it's quite hard because I'm constantly having to be like, oh, who am I talking to today? And like, what pattern do I make out of all the things that I'm interested in? Yeah, that sounds bloody weird. challenging. But Well, it's not my problem. It's, it's like problem. everyone else's problem. But if I want like, you know, if I want to say like today, if I've, I've met you guys before, I feel like I can be quite honest. We can be quite open. We can talk. But if I was here, like I've got to push my streetwear brand. I've got to be really streetwear. I've got to talk about all my creative yeah. things. Then I'd have to think about like what things do I talk about and then what do I edit out? Sure. Do you know what I mean? We like you guys, you no, lucky definitely. people just get everything. Yeah. <laughs> think... ASMR and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we started with that. You don't have to be interested in something forever either. You can yeah. just love something for a year and then yeah. be good at it and then not yeah. do but it again. But people really don't get that. Or or maybe we're starting to, and I think, you know, we're talking about Lex Fridman and, and like even like Joe Rogan and all these yep. kinds of podcasts that are longer format and they are talking to people in a more in-depth way about their views on the world, their political views, their what they're personally interested in, their personal journey. Like we are starting to hear these like more interesting stories of like well-rounded people, but it is most people do seem to just respond to like a oh you're a beauty influencer so you need to just do that and as soon as you do something a bit different whether that's algorithmic or how people respond like I, I think it's still too early to know but like it never was it never resonates in the same way yeah I'm with you I think it's good to taste a lot of things as well, especially when you're young. Just try mm. stuff, man. I don't think people do enough of that as well. Mm. So I'd always encourage people, just taste stuff. Find mm. out what you, you do like and don't like. And yeah. I really Go, agree. Going back to your personal following, though, do you think that people are following you because you have all of these varying interests? Or do you think you built that following originally because you were doing one thing at a particular time? Because you've, um, you've got a very big hmm. following. Well, you say that. It's not that big, like, in comparatively to, like, obviously yeah. people on social media or YouTube or sure. whatever. I'm yeah. like, it's, like, a micro following. <laughs> but I think um, I think there's certain things I did that, obviously, because of the timing of the social media. So I think there's a lot of people that initially followed me because of interior design. Yeah. Because that was the time where all the algorithms hadn't kicked in and it was like new Instagram and people were just like, oh, there's an, an interior design person or there's a fashion person. Mm. So I think there's a lot of that. I think because I've been on social media for like quite a long time, there are people who have then just seen all the different things that I've been interested in and then they're like, oh, this is actually really cool. Mm. Or they kind of follow me because they like my sort of viewpoint or... Like I used to be really open with kind of like my opinions and like all that sort of stuff on social media. I don't do that at all now. <laughs> a little bit. Um, and so I think there's there's like a really interesting core group that just do kind of like me for me. But I definitely don't think it's like the majority. I think that like if you, you know, now I'm like, if I post stuff on Instagram, it's such a small, I mean, this is everyone's problem, right? Yeah. But it's such a small amount of people that will resonate with it. Yeah. Because I think if you don't post something that they followed you for, i.e. like a beautiful room, yeah, they don't even see it. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think people are following not that deep for the brand itself or do you think they've come in originally for you? Like they're interested in your story and then they've gone and followed the streetwear brand that you've created? I think, again, there's like a few of them. Yeah. I think probably the majority have just seen... That was the idea when I started Not That Deep was like, don't make it about me. I don't want it to be about me. Yeah. I do want it to be like people either like the aesthetic mm. or 
they like kind of what the brand's about mm. and so they'll follow it for that. But the problem is when you don't have loads of people working for you and you don't have like endless budget for UGC and all this kind of stuff, you mm. do end up as the owner having to make a lot of content. Yeah. And it ended up being back in that point where I was like, I have to tell the story of how I'm building this business because I don't have the money no. or the resource to go and do loads of shoots or like content. Mm. And like... I sort of realised that again, like in the last couple of months, and I, I, I basically haven't posted anything on on any of the not that deep like socials for a couple of months because I was just like the whole point was for me to get away from it, and I've ended up being pulled back in because it's like an easy, quick win. Sure. Mm. Oh, like hey, I'm building my brand, I'm packing packages, but I'm like that's not building a brand, that's just like building my brand again, and like mm. that's really what I'm trying to avoid. So I'm at this point trying to work out how we do it going forward like sure. if we don't have the money and we don't have the resources what would it look like or is it just a case of yeah like every couple of months I do like I make a new t-shirt and I just put it on sale and I sell it mm. and maybe I sell 30 mm. and that's and that's fine because that still satisfies like my creative need yeah um but yeah I mean I think there's a lot of this working out especially like when you're the only you know, when you're the person running the business and you don't have a team, it's like you're constantly playing around with these like brand strategy ideas or like concepts about like what's it going to be? Who's it for? Am I a part of it? Am I not a part of mm. it? How do I like just all these kinds of things? And then you're met again with like what resources do I have and how do I actually make that happen? Mm. So at the moment, I just left it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way, right? It just leave it. Way. It'll it still be there when stressful. you get back. It was just getting too stressful. And I was like, look, it's never going to make enough money for me to like live on right now. So like, don't, I hate the feeling of waking up every morning and being like, I need to make content today. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it some days. And I think I used to be really able to just churn out content no matter like what I was going through or what I felt like I'd just be able to like sell, 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 sell. But now mm. I'm just like, oh. yeah. do you think people see through it? like that sort of content when you when you are just posting stuff every day because you have to do you think people see through it I now? think people see through it but the interesting thing about like sales psychology is people will be like oh god this is so salesy blah 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 but I'm mm. like but you'll still look at it and you'll still open it if it's got the right hook yeah or it's saying the right things or it's addressing a problem that you've got or a pain point that you've got you might not like it but you're gonna still open the thing it's yeah. like those you know like those things you get on twitter or whatever and it's like where is this per? Where is this teen star now? And you're like, yeah. I literally don't care. Yeah. But you end up just being like, I'm just gonna click. <laughs> like it's literally that. Yeah. We're so simple as people to sell to. Yeah, we are. And we all can see through it all the time. But a lot of what you're works. consuming is just mindless as well. Totally, like when you're on yeah. those platforms, like you are just mindlessly doing. Like there's a sell side of it, but then there's also just like a mindless scrolling. And so mm. some videos just get viewership because they're eat, they're like frictionless. Do you totally. know what I mean? Like you're yeah. just watching it because it's like an totally. easy thing it's to watch. It's about repetition as well. Yeah. Just, just constantly hitting people and they may not think that they're being influenced, but slowly yeah. you're kind of chipping away at them, aren't you? Really? Yeah. yeah. Which is 
The thing we were discussing the other day was like putting video game footage over like TikToks and Reels because that's like a thing that like oh, just conditioned you. Oh, where you have the you two videos. Half and half. Yeah, that's bizarre to me. My daughter watches that and I'm like, what is this? But you're, that's the thing where you're it's just like, just, your mind's switching off, but you're consuming mm-hmm. the top half of whatever that is. And what mm-hmm. it could be whatever you want. And it's just like totally addictive. Mm. There's nothing you can do about that. Like you're, there's something for me when I see that gameplay. You're just, just watching there, this car roll down the hill and you're just there like, yeah. Mm. And absorbing all the speech at the top as well. It's quite dangerous, really, because you could be absorbing anything. But so like coming yeah. back to hypnosis, like that's a form of hypnosis. Maybe that's what advertising is becoming, oh, it, right? Yeah, like we're constantly being, I, like, my, I'm, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job because my friend w- would put this so much more eloquently. <laughs> but she's like, we're constantly being hypnotised all the time. What other people are wearing or what we see or what things we hear or the news or whatever it's all just like subconscious kind of influencing like the whole time and that that is just what it is when you're creating your brand then like going on that you've got all of these other influences going around your head you love streetwear you know you've Mm. got all of these other sort of um, brands that you love and all of this other stimulus that you've sort of backed on how do you create something that was unique or like was very much nothing's going to be unique yeah People like come out and they're like, what's going to make your brand different? I'm yeah. like, nothing, because there's yeah. literally five million like this. Yeah. So like the only unique thing is that it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know, that's probably about it. Yeah. It Or it's kind of more available to you or it's unique to that person because it's in the colorways they like or at the price point they can afford or want to pay. Mm. Um, Like every brand can be unique to every single person in a different way you know whenever you see these business plans or whatever they're always like what makes you different and it's like it's not really that it's like who's the like audience that you're trying to appeal to and what makes you interesting to them I think is like a better question yeah well we we had the same thing because like uh, and this happens with so many other businesses and a lot of people that have asked me for advice about starting their own thing always say to me like I don't know how I'm going to make this different from someone else Mm. And we said when we were looking at it, like, oh, ASOS is so similar or this brand is so similar or these people are stocking things in a similar way or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And we were going, is there a sort of a market fit for what we're trying to do? And then, you, like you say, you're just like, right, we want to do it slightly better. We want to have this sort of um, angle on it. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. And we can. Yeah, I think it's just about like finding what you see your thing to be and just yeah. really doubling down on that and not trying to like appeal across the board to every like tick box that you can and like i for you guys and what you guys do i was thinking about this on the way here for some reason um like it's to me what you guys represent is like a really accessible way to get into streetwear like it's very unjudgy it's not like hype beast culture it's all about discovery and i think like that i would just literally be like that's enough why is that not like that is enough yeah, we we think that as well. I was having a conversation with an entrepreneur the other day and he was going like, what is the key thing you can do? One is exclusivity, i.e. you could say to people, you have to work with us. And mm. I was re- I was really against that, like locking people in. Like I remember when we first had that conversation, mm. I was just like, I don't want to lock anyone into anything. Like if you don't want to be on a vest day, like that's totally cool. I just want to have a relationship where we're friends. We get on, we want to help each other. Do you know what I mean? Like we want to build your business and that sort of thing. So exclusivity was something that I massively railed against. 
But yeah, yeah, like discoverability, I think, is the key thing for us. It's like being able to find cool brands that you would never have heard of. Exactly. And because let, let's think about it. There's not really many ways in the market right now for, for you to sort of discover new brands, really, if you think about it. Like how else well, are you going to do it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's either like influencers yeah. that probably haven't even found it themselves. They've just been approached or they've been paid. Yeah. Or it's like a third party retailer where their curation is you know so you might go into like a Selfridges and their curation is really good yeah. and so you're going to find a streetwear brand that maybe you haven't yeah. you might have seen heard it but you haven't like really seen it in person yeah. but that's quite exclusionary though it's isn't true. it like going into Selfridges I find I don't know like do you feel this way like mm. like I find like even going into Selfridges sometimes is like right I'm going to be paying x amount for a t-shirt well yeah cuz it's already like in a certain like uh like financial bracket yeah and so, so that's that was always the thing. Like when I'm going to those sort of stockists or big retailers, I'm thinking, I'm, uh, can I even get in the door? Yeah. So, yeah. And the brands that we want to showcase aren't going to be in Selfridges. Exactly. Either. Well, they yeah. might be one day. One day, hopefully. But the, also, but, um, that's the thing I was thinking about. I was like, you guys, it's like a thing of, you know, am I going to go on this site and I might find the next Palace or I might find the next Supreme or whatever? But like 10, 20 years before they get there. Yeah. And that's, I think curation is still quite like, it's not, it's not valued as like highly as I think it should be because yeah, like someone going, I like these things and I'm going to pull them together or not even I like these things, but like, I'm going to pull together like, yeah, all these new brands that people might not have heard of that literally are selling like 20 t-shirts a month. Yeah. Like discovery and finding new shit that like other people don't have is a big value to some people yeah. not everyone not everyone to someone else it's like you go into selfridges and you want to get something that has like social social like gravitas that's mm. what it is i've paid this much for this brand yeah now i wear it now i'm cool yeah yeah i think we've always wanted to appeal to the people that like to wear stuff that other people aren't necessarily wearing yeah um not out of a you know i'm different but i've always been like especially with vintage you know vintage shoppers yeah. a bit like that as well they know that what they're wearing is probably you know a one off piece or yeah. you know the other bits will be in landfill now so they they're probably going to be one of the only people wearing it yeah, like you're appealing to, I mean, clothing's always about self-expression, isn't it? And it's just about like what version of self-expression is exactly. to you. And for you guys, I would imagine, yeah, the people that want to shop with you, it's all about finding something before other people find it and not in a way of like, oh, I'm going to flex because mm. these brands probably don't have any social gravitas no, right now. Like if true. you wear a not that deep jumper, like no one's going to be like, oh my God. Like <laughs> oh, they're going to be like. say that. Maybe. Some of Billy's friends were saying that to him. So, oh, well, that yeah. makes me feel good. <laughs> See, I'm still won over by the, oh, I want to be cool. Yeah. Um, but like, I think, you know, maybe you're appealing to an audience that is more they might be older because when you get a bit older you're not as bothered about like oh I'm like the coolest person or maybe yeah they don't have the kind of budgets to go into a Selfridges and like find stuff that way so they want to find like I think it's just about working out what people value and then like just really like honing in on that what do you feel about the drop model like mm. these brands that they sort of they're again they don't have a storefront open all the time they do a big old drop and then they don't stock items again like, how, like just generally how do you feel about that model kind of like neutral about it like yeah. i see how it really works from like a business perspective i yeah. think it's an easy way to like build hype i mm. think it it makes more sense on like supply and logistics yeah um and it it gives people coming back to sales psychology that thing of 
uh, like a deadline. Like urgency. You've got, I need urgency, to be there. Urgency, sorry. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like I need to get this thing or it's going to go. Yeah. So for all those reasons, I think it's great. And also like from a sustainability side, you might also say that as well because maybe you're not buying like loads and loads of stuff that then you have like half of it left over. Yeah. So I guess from me saying that, I probably like like a drop, <laughs> drop model. Yeah. But yeah. I also think, you know, sometimes it's nice to just have things that are like the core things that a brand does. But I think... What we tried to do with Not That Deep was just have a bit of both. Mm. So like we've got like core items that are probably like the more simple items yeah. that are always available or some version of that will always be available even if it's not exactly the same font but it's like an updated version of the plain sweater. Yeah. Uh, and then have drops of stuff that is like a bit more like out there. Yeah. Because I think that's... that's a good thing as well. Like if you want to try stuff that's a bit more out there and you know it's not going to be super mainstream. Mm. Um, but you're not sure, like, well, how many people are going to buy this or whatever. But yeah. I think for a lot of brands, it's just for hype, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I get a bit worried about that model just because I feel like, again, it's sort of exclusionary to people. Like, mm. if you're not there in that moment, yep. able to be there and have the money in your bank account, do you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. is it slightly, again, is it slightly exploitative to those people? Like, because the people that, are some, more often than not, the people that are doing the drop model are the people that have the audience or they have some sort of, like, social credibility to be able to go and do it. And again, I don't often see those being really cheap items like when you're buying mm. Yeezy Gap items mm. or whatever it is right they're they're never cheap I don't I don't know lots of brands that are doing that drop model at a at a reasonable price point is that yeah. just is that just what I'm seeing or but I think you're yeah. you're bringing in two things into the mix which are really hard to have at the same time in business yeah. which is like thinking very ethically and like yeah. philosophically yeah. and then what's good for commercial business and yeah. they often don't go on almost never yeah. go hand in hand so yeah. yeah that's you know you're con that's what i was saying about when you're a brand owner you're constantly having these like thoughts swirl around your head from a strategy point of view who do i what do i want this to be mm. what do i want to represent blah 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 and there's always you know that lure of like but we could sell more if we did it like this or we could make a bigger profit margin if we could do it like this and that's like the capitalist world that we've all grown up in for like however long yeah so you know, until things really start changing. Yeah. And there are some brands that are obviously coming out and doing really cool stuff that, that is a bit different. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that content for you, going back to like that point of like, I don't know when I'm going to upload and, and that sort of thing, mm. in terms of growing the brand, do you think that content is the most important thing now? Like more than paid, more than whatever you do, more than PR, like whatever you're doing, do you think the content is the key thing? It's hard for me to say because it's the only thing I've ever known. Yeah. It's like that's always been my strategy. Mm. And that always be would be and will be my strategy is like storytelling through creative mm. and content, whatever that looks like at the time, whether that's everyone being into podcasting or then it's suddenly everyone being into video or then it's, mm. you know, there'll always be something. Mm. Um, and I guess because I'm quite a creative thinker, that's always the route that's just the easiest to me. So... If I was to ever go in and like work with a brand, that's probably always going to be where I'm like, this is the way to do it because it's all I, not all I know, but it's what I specialize in. So yeah. I think it's hard to then, there's obviously people that, you know, you see these things that you like, oh, this D to C brand, you buy something off Alibaba and then you do these ads and then it's like this, that and the other and you make X amount of money, but it's just never appealed to me. Yeah creating brands that like have cultural relevance is like always what's been like exciting to me and I feel like that always gets done via 
some form of content but that might be in events in real life it could be anything but I see that all as content so paid stuff I'm a bit like I mean, you can make paid stuff out of the content that you produce. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm I'm always a big believer in that as well. Like for me, telling those authentic stories and actually like connecting with people in a more peer to peer way, like that. That's my dream is that we end up having like actual conversations with people. Do you know what I mean? Like beyond even just this, it's like actual conversations with people that follow us and that sort of thing. Yeah. We've had a lot of DMs recently of people that have gone like, we've watched the podcast and we liked this certain thing that you talked about. Do you know what I mean? And. And so what that's other the, things they've said? They've do you know what we had an interesting one about sound engineering. We oh, had cool. someone cool. yeah follow us and like go oh I really like the the sound that you had in this and where did you shoot and that sort of thing. Oh, do they like the ASMR? Like, oh, they're going to love it even more. Now, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, these mics are nice. So as someone who used to be a sound engineer, they do sound quite nice. Yeah. Where did you produce music? Were you just doing it like at home, like when you when you were a producer, like what? Yeah, like you, always. Yeah. yeah, always just bedroom setup basically, nice, like yeah. a laptop an mpc or something like that and then like a synth and a, co- a copy of logic and then bash it out that's all you need isn't it these days oh yeah you yeah. don't even need that really no like, you can actually just use a laptop and ableton or logic yeah, or not even like i i kind of um in what was it yeah like 2020 i was like i really want to get back into like making music again from like a because i didn't really have was much. that in lockdown yeah, like just after that, like I didn't, I was like the work I'm doing at that time, I didn't have much creative like outlet at all. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to get back into making music again, but I just want something where I'm not on a laptop. Like sure. I was just so sick of like being on a laptop. So yeah, I got an MPC. I can't remember what number it is now, but it's basically like you can literally do everything inside the MPC. Like you can sequence up a song, you can like put effects on it you can mix it like you can pretty much just do everything in the box it's got all the pads and, nice. like, and just you don't even need a computer really awesome and where can we hear your tracks if we want you cannot to? hear them oh, <laughs> like, in damn. the storage of my computer uh, they're not on soundcloud well we keep being like oh we should just put them up but like i think we're both quite because we're like used to both make music we're kind of like oh, the mix isn't right or like you know we're recording the vocals on like a really shit mic or like the mic through the laptop sure. so I'm just like <laughs> singing the vocals in so they're like very very rough around the edges sure. but I think it might just get to the point where like let's just throw them up on there anyway I think you should I would definitely yeah. listen to them to it. and Jake, Jake's never going to admit this but Jake's also a producer oh really what kind of stuff uh, techno tracks yeah oh, nice. kind of like breakbeat techno tracks okay send me um, some yeah no I'll send you my SoundCloud but I haven't done it for probably a good year now yeah. maybe over that actually. it's hard isn't it you like I've just not got enough time yeah you just and i think you making music is like you kind of do need to be in the headspace of it yeah you do. like as soon as you're you get caught up in other things you sort of like i don't know it's better like when you're on a roll you kind of yeah just it's better like when you want it. to do it rather than going i'm gonna make music yeah, today. what i I've used to find was works. i'd do a few tracks and then i'd you know I'd be happy with it and then the desire would almost disappear for a bit and then that desire would come back about you know three or four months later and I'd just get my laptop out without me even really thinking about it so um yeah that's not come back for a while because I think Aveste is at the minute scratching that kind of creative itch and time it's a time sink as well obviously isn't it so and podcasting now on that right we've mentioned quite a few different things that you're interested in and that you've done 
and you've got the family life and kids to look after how yeah. how do you literally fit all this stuff in like like when you're doing not that deep stuff like how are you doing it like you're just finding a spare hour or two in the day and being like i'm gonna do this well when i was doing it like let's say if we differentiate between i'd say a couple of months ago i kind of took a step back from it like i said i, yeah. did, I did, was like i don't want to feel stressed out about posting content also like the screen printing studio that I was using, like they've had to move and it was suddenly getting all more expensive and like all this stuff. So I was like, it's probably a good time for me to just like stand back and like reassess what I want to do next. Mm. And, um, but before that it was pretty much, I'd just work on it. Like most, like I did, I wasn't working on anything else. So I could yeah. work on that like during the day. Nice. And then, um, what else? I mean, all the other things, you, I just, I don't know, just find ways to fit it in. Like, none of these yeah. things are like that time-consuming, really. Well, and learning what, learning Korean surely is time-consuming. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, is it? like? How, how do you do it? Like, are you just doing like a... Because you have lessons, right? Yeah. You have formal lessons. Yeah, so, I have a tutor, yeah. Yeah, so you so do you just sit on Zoom and have a, have a yeah, lesson? Yeah, I have like an hour, an hour, like twice, a, once or twice a week. Nice, and why Korean as well? Um, so... There, basically, there's no reason why Korean. <laughs> Everyone asked that question. The The way it came about was I read this book by David Goggins. I can't remember which one it was. But he, obviously, I don't know if you know about him or you've read any of his stuff. He's very, like, macho. I don't know why I even read it, really. But he, his whole thing is just about, like, you never know what the body or the mind is, like, capable of until you, like, keep really pushing sure. it. And so I guess I just was like inspired by like reading this book and I was like, what's something? And also I'd gone through loads of shit and I was in like a bit of a bad place, like mental health wise. So I was like, what would be good to just kind of just do something for me that wasn't all my life was on social media. Everything was public. And I kind of had this realization of just like how hooked I was on that like dopamine of public like sure. attention or uh, people liking what I was doing or whatever so I was like okay so if I step away from it and try and like live in the real world Sarah like not everything goes through Instagram I feel like it would be a good thing to have something that's just for me sure where it's a challenge but it's a skill and I can know when I have the skill nice um and so i was like what could that be and obviously he talks about running all these ultra marathons oh, i'm not fucking doing that <laughs> um and I'd, i was already quite good with my exercise and stuff so i was like okay well i've always wanted to learn a language like i think especially english people like when you can speak a second language i'm like props because english people never know how to speak a second language um and i didn't want to learn a european language because i was like i felt like that would not give me the kind of like fulfillment that like sure. I wanted it to have mm. because I wanted it to be challenging so then I was researching like Asian languages and which Asian language would be best and obviously everything was like Mandarin Mandarin because obviously the Chinese sure. are like just smashing it on everything um but then that actually from doing research it seemed quite difficult <laughs> And then I learned that Japanese have like two or three alphabets or something. And so then they were like, Korean is actually quite easy to learn to read. And obviously Korean are just, Koreans are the, the, 
they are just absolutely killing it with the export of culture. And sure. obviously, I love culture. I sure. love music. And I was watching Squid Game at the time. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, this is just the clear, Perfect. obvious thing then. So I'll just learn Korean. But I, d- I literally didn't really know anything about the culture. I knew a couple of the music people that had come out of it. I think I watched like the Blackpink documentary and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I would love to go there. But it was just one of the places in my mind that I was like, I'd love to go there one day. And then just as I've started learning about it and learning about the culture and the history, like it's just an amazing, amazing place. Nice. And yeah, to come back to your point about the dopamine from Mm. Instagram and other apps, I think I definitely feel that at Mm. the minute. And you need to find something that replaces that. Um, yeah, and it can be like, quite hard because yeah. these things give you a fucking lot of dopamine, don't they? Yeah. Um, so trying to find something to replace that, you know, it's why now when people sit and watch films all day, you're sat on your phone, right? Because mm. the film isn't giving you what your phone's giving you, right? Exactly. So, yeah, finding something is bloody difficult. Yeah. Um, and I, I've started doing these, like, detoxes, which I used to always laugh at everyone for. I'd be like, why do you need that? Um <clears throat> but I'll just literally just delete Instagram off my phone for That's like, good. like I think I did it for about a month or something like last in September. I think I deleted it like almost the whole of September and I would only just go on my laptop to check like I hadn't had any messages That's or anything. Um, and yeah, you just feel like it does slow you down a bit. Like it stops you just constantly like I'm going to check it. For no reason, yeah. like there's no, it's just the, it's it's the weirdest it? thing. And as soon as you come away from it, you realise how weird it is. And when I had that, you know, I said I've really reined back on like what I share on socials and all that. And I would literally wake up and just think about my life through the lens of Instagram. It's awful. Which it? is meant like yeah, now I'm mad. just like, what? Like everything was through the lens of like, what will be a good picture? What's good in what's good content? Oh, you know, even coming here, like if this was two years ago, I would like filmed every single bit of the way. Then I'd be here. Oh, here, hey, here we are. Sorry, guys, you're probably like losing out on loads of uh, yeah, publicity. Yeah, on, yeah. <laughs> I've like not done anything, no. but it's breaking that thing of like everything's got to be documented, which is all we've been told for so long about. Oh, if you're building a brand, everything must be documented. Thanks, Gary V. Um, <laughs> And it's like, just break that cycle. Like, you don't need to... Now when I see my friends, they'll be like, oh, what have you been doing? And we can actually have a conversation about what I've been doing mm. because they don't know what I've been doing. I'm, f- I'm finding it really hard at the moment because we're too. obviously producing a load of content and, like, it's going up on TikTok. I've, I really didn't want to get on TikTok, mm. like, ever. And obviously, we have to do it because we want to yeah, get... the thing. We want to talk about the brands. And uh, it's just now on the phone and it's on a time limit, but the time limit is easily, easily, you know. But this is the thing, when you're building a business, you have to do it. There is no like ifs or buts, there's no way around it. And that's why I was like, well, I don't want to give that up. Uh, As in, I don't want to give up my protection of my mental health to grow not that deep. So if that means I have to stop making content, then that's fine. You want to be in a position where you can hire someone, literally, who's 21 Mm. and wants to spend their life on TikTok or making videos. And if you can't do that and you're not in a position to do it, then either you suck it up and you do it because the business growth is that important to you or you realise that you're not going to have the business growth and like think in a different way. Yeah. 
so annoying. It is. <laughs> it is so annoying because because we I completely am on that sort of like road right now. Like we're just uh, one dopamine hits from being on Instagram because we're gaining followers or yeah. whatever, or that you know the posts get engagement, and you judge the success of a of a particular yeah. post based on how many how many likes it is and how many views it gets. There's nothing you can do about that. And actually, you know, we were chatting to Billy about this yesterday. There's almost sometimes not much you can do, like a piece of video. Depending on when you upload it, who's online, you know, mm. what, how good it is in terms of the algorithm. It, it has nothing to do with you sometimes. Like it, sometimes yeah. it just goes out and it will be shit because it, you know, that's just a shit day on Instagram or whatever. But, you know, that's just the game, unfortunately. And I think yeah. I just got to a point and because I've gone through so much with all the businesses and personally that I just got to a point where I was like, I don't want to, I don't I just can't. No. <laughs> and plans for, for the brand in the next... I've got some designs that I've been working on that I really like that I think I might just like when I can be bothered basically or when I've got the headspace I'll kind of put them into production and just do like a little run sure yeah I can't wait to see the designs first of all oh I can show you I'll show yeah. you in a bit yeah I'm, I'm excited to see them and but I have to say though like uh, in terms of the name right let's mm. go back to the name how did you come up with the the name and how like how did it work for people so it's not that deep I guess is just like a bit of a personal mantra. It's like whenever, I mean, I think firstly, anyone who knows me properly will kind of be like, oh, it's just, if there was a sentence that like summarizes Sarah's like attitude to life, it's probably that. Yeah. Like I'm quite nihilistic, I think. Yeah. Ooh, it's really? weird. It's weird because everyone's like, oh, you're into manifesting and like all this stuff. So they think I'm going to be really like uber, like positive person. Yeah. But a lot of the time, I'm just like, oh, it just doesn't, like, none of this shit matters. Like, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. literally... Let's get into a chat about nihilism. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. said to when uh, one of my friends is, like, a, a kind of fashion brand consultant. And when I started the brand, I was like, this is, like, for really nihilistic people. And <laughs> our slogan is, is, so the name of the brand is not that deep. And then I was like, the tagline is, we're all going to die anyway. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to make loads of, like, T-shirts that say, like, we're all going to die anyway. And she yeah. was like, I just think you might want to, like... Publish skulls on it you rain know? That one like in. you might want to rein it in and now yeah. i'm like i feel like it's quite fitting especially like now yeah. um but it's kind of like i find optimism in like nihilism i know it sounds silly but i'm like it's all so much bigger than us like all the things we worry about yeah. are so silly and even yeah. for myself like i suffer with anxiety quite a lot and Whenever I kind of get into that headspace, like whenever I come out of it after, I'm always just like, why on earth were you so stressed like about that? It really like it's really not that deep. It really doesn't <laughs> matter like what someone on the Internet thinks of you or That's like, true. you know, oh, I made this mistake or I did that or whatever. It's like, you know, when you watch, have you ever seen that video on online and it's like, it starts off with Earth and then it kind of like zooms out and then it's like all oh, the yeah. planets come in and it just goes bigger and bigger. And then you're just like, oh, I'm like that <laughs> on there. And then you think I'm that on there right now. And in like a hundred years, I'll be dead and like no one will care. Yeah. So it's just like, what, why do we, I mean, I guess this is why the human existence has like evolved and lasted for so long because we do care. Yeah. But it's, it's me like playing with those two sides of myself that are one side like super anxious and super like everything must be done exactly right. What if this happens? What if that happens? What? And then the other side of me that's like, just shut up. Like it's really not that deep. Like so that's it's like a it's almost like a mental health mantra. Yeah. 
for me. But so many other people like identify with that mantra as well. Though. Like I feel like yeah. we, were ta- we were chatting with Billy about it yesterday and he's going like, I say that all the time. And yeah. like, loads of people do say that. And all that's the, time. the other thing. It was just like, it has cultural relevance. Yeah. So it's like a clear winner in terms of like a slogan. Yeah. Because Definitely. it's it sounds kind of a bit cool and like nonchalant. Yeah. And people use it all the time. Yeah. And so when I go out wearing like the jumper or whatever, people will always come up to me and go, Oh my God, my friend says that all the time. What's this? Where did you get that? I'm gonna get her one. Yeah. So from a com- like my commercial brain is obviously also like it's a good this slogan. A <laughs> yeah. yeah. So going back, you do you want to talk about nihilism? Yeah, come on. Oh, do you yeah. want to go into nihilism? Because you, you're, we have discussions about this all the time. Yeah. I mean, so nihilism is obviously like you don't think there's any kind of inherent meaning or good or bad almost in the world. It yeah. can mean that as well. Yeah. And like everything is completely meaningless and you can just go around being a psychopath if you want to yes. interpret it yeah, that yeah. way. <laughs> I don't think you, I think you mean it in the sense that um, stuff is to, to kind of let the small stuff go. Is that really yeah. what you kind of mean by like nihilism? Yes. Or, well, I and also, also do... you're an atheist as well, would you say? No, um, no, I'm definitely not an atheist. I believe there's like something. Like I do believe in like signs and synchronicities and I do believe that and I do believe that like I really do believe in the law of attraction because I feel like I've seen it sure. happen for me. Um, but... I do also believe that, like, the line between, like, good and bad is very, like, blurry. And people's, like, public perceptions of things and how people are, like, trialled by public opinion. The mob. It's just, like, you know, and, you know, it's hard because whenever you have this conversation about between good and bad, they're like, well, Jeffrey Dahmer killed all these people and he's obviously a bad person. And it's like, yes, of course, there's certain things that, like, go beyond the line. But, like, I do think it's all the time it's just about different people's perceptions on things. What you might think is okay, I might not think is okay, vice versa. Like, I think we're too, like, in this, like, group think of, like, what is right and wrong. And it's just a lot of right and wrong or good and bad or any extremes, like, one way or what's acceptable, not acceptable everyone's going to have a different like threshold of that or what they believe. Totally. And you're not good or bad forever. So you make one bad comment. Are you now bad forever? No. We're getting very much into the kind of cancel culture channel, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, this is the thing. I I believe quite like like fervently that cancel culture is like very, very dangerous. Like having someone that can't ever change their mind or can't have a view that isn't black or white, you know, yeah. a, like we're all living in or a great world. And evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just super, super scary. And there is a lot of cancelization uh, like cancelization that is yeah. happening across society at the moment, which I find just super, super scary. Because also if it's not say for instance you believe in a certain thing and then your hero gets cancelled. Yeah. And then it goes on the other side and you're <clears throat> exploiting and saying this other person should get cancelled. It's just like, what's going totally. on here? Like, why can people not have a voice? But also, why are you the, the, the voice on this? Yeah. Are you God? Like, yeah. what? Like, I don't get it. I don't yeah. understand. There's always this, like, supposed moral high ground yeah. that is absolute bollocks. Like, if you ever put some of these people in the same position they would probably make the same mistakes or worse mistakes or a different set of mistakes. Like, why are you out there as someone who's... Also, the people that do the cancelling have almost always never had, like, 
much real lived experience of like mm. any of the things they cancel people for yeah or they just have no opinions on so anything they, so they're like i can float through life being like never cancel because i'm like yeah because you have no opinion yeah. <laughs> like, or you just adopt an opinion you because you've the, got a very surface opinion. level understanding of an issue and you're like oh well the media is saying something's Says bad this. so i'll just adopt that opinion yeah. i'm trying really hard these days to not adopt an opinion on something until i've really like <clears throat> excuse me until i've really looked into it for yeah example. and all the different angles on it and all the different totally. like journalistic takes on it totally or, yeah you know, really like, try and understand the argument you know like we'll talk about the kanye we won't go into details about the kanye west thing but i was like oh i'm gonna go and listen to him speak with lex for two and a half hours mm. i caught the piers morgan bit also gonna read some articles and after that then i'll kind of make my decision so mm. i'm not in a place of ignorance and just mm. adopting a mentality that i'm not even but sure like I've made look at myself. this kanye thing right the thing is most people don't have two to three hours to listen totally. to long form content with actual context and nuance where someone can explain their ideas or their thoughts behind it in long form people don't have the time so they consume 10 second things or someone they it's almost like they filter things through influences because it's like oh i trust that an influencer has watched this yep. two to three hour thing which they, won't. And, which they have not yep. for sure and they will share their opinion on it so i will now adopt their opinion so it's totally. like things like anything to do with cancelling or like people's opinions on things and perceptions it's like you need long form nuanced context and no one wants to watch it <laughs> like even i i want to watch this stuff and even i had to be like okay i need to find like two and a half hours to watch this interview yep. like where am i going to fit that in like we're all talking about how how do we fit everything in and how right. do we like our our own selfish needs are going to come first yeah, so got businesses to run got children stuff to, to do. look after yeah, languages like to learn yeah. you know, um, how can we also be these moral just beings that have perfect political understanding as well yeah it's not easy well, you can't it? No, you so can't, the best thing can't. is to do just stop judging everyone yeah. else then stop getting on twitter and being yeah. like oh no this shouldn't happen yeah, or i would never do it like that yeah, and don't have an opinion then if you can't know that that opinion has yeah. been validated by your own research yeah Solved. And we solved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're saying don't have an opinion. <laughs> or just be open and be like, I don't, I don't feel know. like I've looked at this from all the angles or like I don't I know. My for, through my lift experience, my opinion would be X, but it's probably not the most like well rounded opinion. Totally. Yeah. A lot as, of questions. As a as a mum, how would you like uh, and sort of like are, are your girls like on um, social media obviously yeah my oldest is yeah yeah so in terms of doing that I, like i'm almost terrified of that world to sort of mm. get into how do you sort of like manage their consumption of content because twitter right now you can get anything like yeah like anything could be on there and also tiktok like is tiktok restrictive like you know can you have some parental guidance like how do you know. how do you deal with that like it's quite I, scary isn't it yeah but i mean i'm also like this is the world they live in like they're gonna have to learn how to do it i can't like cotton wrap the kids until yeah. the only thing i've noticed like with my eldest is and the only thing that we've had to have like a proper conversation about is um not taking things at face value which kind of comes back to what we're talking about so if she sees someone so the thing was you know it's halloween and they're all like people are sticking needles in these candies like be careful when you get your halloween candies and she was like oh mum, have you seen like people are doing this and i was like you know you always hear those stories i was like oh, people always do shit like that 
I was like, let me see where you've seen it. And it was just the most stupid clickbait thing. Yeah. And I was like, but look at them. It was like a Mars bar with like a giant needle sticking out of it. <laughs> oh and I goodness. was like, you would. I was like, don't you think if you like, you'd see it yeah. been stuck through the wrapper or like you'd, you know, you, you're not just, I was just like, what do you think about it? And I was like, you know, you need to make sure that you don't, just because someone on TikTok said it doesn't mean it's true. Because yeah. they'll watch these like factual videos where it'll be like, the Titanic sunk on this blah, blah, blah day. And I'm like, it's just completely like wrong information. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's the only thing we've really spoken about at length was like, I was like, I could go on there. And if I speak with an authoritative voice and assertively, mm. people believe anything you say. Yeah. Like I saw it in my own business before. Like it's so easy to sell because you just speak confidently. Mm. Like, I confidently speak about this because I believe in it and I know it's going to work, but that's what's compelling. And then people go, oh my God, you speak so assertively and like you believe in what you're like, because most people don't believe in what they're doing. No. Should we go from one controversial subject to another? Um, yeah. Should we go to, <laughs> speaking of having our minds changed, yeah. shall we talk about Web 3.0? Yeah. Why is that controversial? Because uh, So it's controversial in the fact of... Um, we we were looking at the space and like I think there is a lot of people that I don't know like the NFT space has been controversies has been people ripping people off yeah. there's that there's that in society right yeah I suppose Josh and I are actually quite big advocates for the crypto space you know we think that's great um, NFTs we get the kind of technology that underpins it we have NFTs um, by the way yeah we like, do we have, have an NFT NFTs. don't yeah. we probably nice. got yeah. ripped off for it yeah. but you know yeah. um, that's life yeah. We, um, so I'm convinced. Did you get the, ripped off or did you overpay because you were hyped? Uh, we didn't, to, we to didn't be fair, pay we much. didn't pay about anything. two quid. Yeah. Oh, well, like, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, we got ripped of, off, was, guys. Yeah, two pounds. Also, this is, I have to say this while it's in my mind. Sure. Yeah. People love to say, I was ripped off. I was scammed. I was forced to buy this. No, you no, weren't. No one made you, you were bought into the hype. No. You believed it. It's your responsibility. Totally. I very much am an advocate for people's responsibility over their own self. Totally. And that's my view on it's things a, like Twitter, things totally. like what you're talking about. There's always been get rich quick schemes that have existed. Since and you're going to sometimes get burned. Oh, buy this PDF document. <laughs> yeah. That was it probably 20 years ago. I, I think it's, it's mainly controversial, though, because it is a new world. Like it's a mm. new world that like the majority of people don't understand. And the majority of people like don't even know what it is. I suppose. Yeah. So and so you hear all there? these things. Yeah, come. Yeah, we should maybe start there. So yeah. before me and Josh, me and Josh really want to be convinced today in this, like the, of the utility of it in in retail, in retail, because I'm not see, retail, okay. I'm not seeing yeah. it yet, and you might not know the answer to that. So mm. I think maybe a good place to start would be, well, what is Web 3.0, and kind of what do you know about it so far, and why is it relevant to streetwear? Yeah, we've been corrected. So we've been corrected. We have to keep calling it Web 3. Sorry, now. No, but I've been it. calling. I've been calling it. I've been calling it 3.0. Because well. if you points. want to sound down with the kids, you just call it Web point <laughs> Web 3, not Web point 3. <laughs> we go. Okay, so sorry. The question I got, I got fixated on that. What the question was? What's the utility? What is it, first of all? Because I mean, I'm like, okay. Let me caveat all of what I'm about to say yeah, yeah. As, in, yeah. in light of all the things. Sarah is a complete about. expert. In I Web3. literally yeah. know yeah. nothing. Of, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. nothing. Okay, I'm I'm interested and I'm Can, enthusiastic about it, and that's I have a basic understanding Can, of what how it works. That's it. <laughs> that's more than most people, including and me it's and much Josh more than us. Have. So yeah, yeah. Start with so it makes what, me an expert to you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are um, the, so yeah, start with. I, I guess. What it is, is just looking at the new way that the internet is going to work. So I guess if you look at Web.2, that's all about 
big corporations like Facebook and Apple and Google, uh, Google yeah, sorry, owning your data, right? Yep. The whole idea of Web3 is that it becomes decentralized and you control your own data and you control you, you it's cutting out in theory all the middlemen yep. so they don't own the servers that hold all the information all the information is on everyone's computers and that builds like a big decentralized network got you that's like the very simple way of putting it i guess that, that's the that's the best way i've heard it described <sighs> oh. and now i understand it a little bit more because it, it's it's a minefield to me because it comprises of so many so many different things in itself but if you think about it's, it it's a minefield at the moment because it's new. It's yeah. like if we talked about the internet, you're like, well, yeah. the internet comprises like five million yeah. billion different ways that things work. Yeah. I think I was saying to my friend the other day who works in Web3, I was like, people, when you talk about Web3, people expect you to know and understand every different like outlet for that at the mm. moment or de every different way that blockchain technology can be used. And it's like, I might understand... Um, nfts really well but i might not understand like what they call DeFi, decentralized finance very well at all but because it's quite a new thing and it's a small community i think there is this idea that you need to know and understand all of it mm. and i think if you have that mentality no one's going to come into sure. it because it's scary mm. if you're just like i just go in it like oh well, i don't know i'll just like learn a bit by bit by bit no, it's a journey. We're on. Yeah. We're on the Web three journey. Definitely. I mean, we've we've already started the journey because we were calling it the wrong name. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in terms of like, I think there's really interesting ways that Web three, or more importantly, like blockchain technology, which is basically mostly what Web three is about, can be used in fashion and in streetwear. Yeah, there's so many parallels between streetwear and Web three in the sense of like. If you look at this whole NFTs and drops thing is very similar to like what happens in streetwear. This idea of like, oh, I'm going to get something and then I have it and it's rare or like maybe it's going to increase in value because I got this like dead stock pair of trainers sure. or like there's just a lot of um, parallels. And I guess that's what I'm mainly interested in is sure. like, OK, so there's all these parallels between it. So how can we like who's doing that then in web three like who's doing cool streetwear stuff mm. yeah. and also just from like if you more think about i'm obviously interested in how things are made and like is it ethical is it sustainable i'm not perfect in this by any means at all but like i'm interested in it and i think blockchain because of the way it can like track everything you ideally should be able to track like where the cottons come from where people paid a fa fair wage and you can do really interesting stuff like if you create a piece of art and you sell it as an NFT, when it gets resold, if this was outside of Web3, if it got resold, so you sell a painting to me for 100 quid because I'm like, oh, I feel like this guy's got talent. Mm. And in the next 10 years, your career blows up and I sell it for a million pounds. You get no cut of that. Nothing. Whereas like with blockchain, and there is a whole conversation around royalties at the moment happening, but the way it has traditionally been spoken about so far is that you would have a cut on that. So mm. you would retain like a 10% royalty. So I think it's good for creators as well. Mm. Would, the, would that be possible in a physical item? So like, i.e. like if you are creating the not the not that deep neck sweatshirt, right? Yeah. And like, is that possible <laughs> to do that? Like, is it possible to go, right, if this is resold? 
Yeah, because you basically, there's this word they keep using called fidgetal, which is like you have a, a physical version of it, but it's linked to a digital Got it. like uh, thing on the blockchain. Token. See, again, sure. I'm yeah, like yeah. thing. I don't yeah, know what yeah. the right lingo is. Yeah. But like, yeah, it would be like connected to, okay, so you bought that and the NFT for that lives here on the blockchain. Sure. So now if you want to then sell that on, you would sell them like together. So and then I can track like who's owned it. And how is that garment physically linked to a piece of well, digital cryptography? See, this is like where it starts to get, well, so the things that I've seen so far is like people would put like a QR code or something like in the label or something sure. like that. And so you get it and you scan it and then it sort of says like, okay, you've minted it when they call Got minting, you. which means like you basically just like put it on the blockchain sure. and it's yours. Um, but I guess there's people could buy the physical version and then never actually mint the sure. nft so it's not like you have to do it mm. but you would maybe want to because it would feel like it's got Show more value or, it? yeah or you could see where who made it or something yeah i'm with you and i mean that's still probably open to some counterfeiting i guess with you know if it's just a qr code printed in a label is is it yeah. completely bulletproof or once you've put it on the blockchain yeah the theory is that it's complete i mean this is also what's so good about decentralization and like it's it's apparently very 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 secure because of the nature of how it works you wouldn't be yeah. able to like you could like have you could copy someone's barcode and then you know in theory counterfeit an item couldn't you so no, that's why i'm struggling what, with that if, tying the garment to the kind of cryptographic signature on the blockchain well no because you'd be able to see as soon as you get it and you yep. mint it as yours, I would register it. Or it's like, but yeah, basically okay. put it in your mouth. It's like registered to you, yeah, and no one can change that or hack that until okay. you then sell it on to the next person. It's going to be you. associated but to what your. What if I make an identical item? Let's say it's yeah. a brand like Balenciaga or something yeah. like that. If I made an identical item and you know, um, and then copied, I may say I've got. It your would be item. like whoever's minted it first. Yeah. Yeah, but but also you're talking about counterfeiting, counterfeiting in a physical, yeah. but, but physical. in a physical sense. Mm. So the, you can't the, counterfeit the digital thing. No, I agree that's with the, that. And, but that's the that's the thing is like the the physical uh, garment is the problem there, not the mm, not the mm, digital yeah. item. So so to say that the digital item is the that's issue, fine. yeah, and and is fraught with counterfeiting is not true in that yeah. set, in that example. But also it? that's already the case, isn't it? Like yeah. physical stuff's already like. So a lot of the stuff they're doing is around counterfeit, like how to solve counterfeiting. And they sort of do, there's stuff that a couple of brands that I've been looking at doing with the, uh, what they call NFC, which is different, which is near field communication, which we have in like all our phones and whatever. So that becomes embedded. I don't know whether it's a chip or whether it's a code or what, but that's also within the garment. Sure. So you could almost like, if you go to, you know, like how you have to take your trainers to all these like authentication, like at StockX, they have to go through this whole authentication. Like that would just be completely cut out. It's like, just well, do, you have the, do you have mm. the thing or not? Clever. And then so the that's cutting tons. out a whole middleman service. I mean, sorry if you're one of those people yeah. that like sniffs trainers to yeah. see if they're real. But <laughs> yeah, this, are they doing it on the, the smell test. these days? Oh yeah, is that the that's level like that one is? of the yeah, yeah. That's like the main <laughs> way they check. <laughs> it used to be like X-ray scanners, and now it's totally. uh, the sniff yeah, test. No, there's a whole like yeah, there's a totally. whole. And I suppose brands would be really interested in this because they could make money off of reselling and the vintage market. 
Well, right? yeah, because they're holding on to like royalties. Yeah, rather if you got ten percent any time it's sold on, I don't. Yeah, know, it's not all. I, I pulled ten percent out of my mind. By the way, that's probably not what the percentage is. But like, but yeah, of course. Then you then you know because you look at all these brands and you're like your stuff's getting resold, resold, resold. And you get nothing from that. Mm. And obviously, the world is going more sustainable. It's all about buying secondhand or pre-loved or whatever they call it nowadays uh you know dead stock stuff or like rental uh apps sure. and all that kind of thing so like but for a brand once you've sold it you've sold it and yeah. you're not getting any benefit out of like things then becoming more sustainable whereas that doesn't really make any sense i don't think no how did you get into this world like like what was the first i think i'm always like just generally kind of interested in like random stuff um i'm interested in the markets and i try and follow like the financial markets and because i get bored quite easily i guess crypto is probably like a more exciting like more volatile (laughs) yeah so i was like oh maybe if i put 10 pounds in now i'll see like a quicker return yeah (coughs) um so primarily through crypto first yeah so I had money in crypto like, I don't know, back in like 2016, 17, maybe nice. even 16. No, not nice because it went up and then it went right down. It and did. then I was like, pull it out, pull it out. I was like completely Aye. scared of it. I'd never put money into like the markets before. So I pulled it all out. So we've got, we didn't have any more. And then obviously I'm like, oh my God, we probably bought Bitcoin for like six grand or something. Yeah. Nice. As in it would have been at like six grand. Yeah. Like, obviously, I wish I'd held on. You would have retired. Uh, well, at some point, yeah. <laughs> um, probably never had enough in it to retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. like, oh, I've yeah. got a few grand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just kind of interested, but then like in and out. And obviously, it went through a long bear market. So I kind of like wasn't really paying attention. And then when it all, you know, when it came to lockdown and we're all sat at home and everyone started investing and then there was like the whole big GameStop thing and like all that. So I just find all that stuff like really fascinating. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of got into it through that really. And then I've got, yeah, friends who work in it. So I'm interested to hear what they're talking about. Mm. And then I think I'm, I'm good at spotting where there's gaps of things or like the timing is right for things. And I did it with when I did interior design and blogging, I did it with my online uh, school. And I feel like I've seen that the, that Web3 is still like a small thing. People don't really know much about it. And like you guys, oh, we don't know what like things are called or what's this or that. And yeah, I think I just can see when there's like a gap to be like, this is a good time to get into something. Yeah. I would say because I would say we're like ahead of the curve in that we you know we've invested in crypto before Mm. like we we understand how it works but like that that just shows you like we still don't know all of the functionality that is possible and and so the rest of the population is like like years like we're we're talking like 10-15 years like behind yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, getting ahead of it. I think. Yeah. I don't think you need to know the whole functionality. No, yeah, that's true, that's true. I don't think you need to. People didn't. People still don't understand how the internet works. Like, if I asked yeah. you, oh, if you want to send money to me, yeah, like, what's the process it goes through? You could probably take a guess, but like, you or I don't know the full, no. like, chain of how that happens. No. So I, I only learned recently about DNS and things like that. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's. Yeah, it's a bit dot-com bubble at the minute, isn't it? There's a lot of people doing stuff. We're always waiting for stuff to pop and then to see what the actual, what are going to be the 
businesses that have something tangible at the minute? Because I'm struggling with tangibility. I think that's where we are. Yeah. So I think there was this whole big hype, and I think then there has been this drop, and that was for all the mainstream. But like, ha ha ha, cryptos dropped down, or whatever. You lot were all so stupid. But for anyone who is interested in it, it was like it needed that to like get rid of all the like literally the dot com bubble. And see, like, who's left behind, who's actually creating these really interesting things or, like, what are the real-life use cases of these things. And it's still so early that there aren't really many, like... No, it's a lot of words. Starbucks is probably, like, the best. Like, Starbucks have done a really interesting, like, loyalty blockchain kind of program. But even the people that use it don't know that it's a Web3 thing. And I think those things are going to be what proves it in the long run like you don't need to understand what's happening but if you know that oh i've got a card and every time i buy a coffee like my points go up and up and up and then that gives me these perks but if i wanted to i could like then sell that to you Mm. and you could build on it or you could like i don't know what you could do do you know what i mean i don't know where it would go (laughs) but yeah yeah and it's also i think people we're not seeing things that can't be done otherwise yet by just normal tech that's sometimes what I struggle with as well. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. I, I think I think we don't have the solutions that we need now, and they're still yet to be created. Yeah. There's almost like, like you said, like you know, do we have Amazon for Web three now? No. But it probably exists though. But, but I we don't, don't know think about it. it's not about there being new new things. Yeah, a lot of it. I, I think there will be new things, but I don't. I think a lot of it is just about how do we make the systems better, sure. and how do we make it so that three or four big corporations don't own everything like that's that's more the vibe so it's like if you think about like when you buy a house like the process you have to go through to buy a house and the amount of people that are involved like if a house was an nft and you could then like every time you upgrade the electrics on the house that goes on to like the record for the house or every time someone comes and like you repair the roof that goes on to the record of the house and if you then want to sell it to this person, like you don't need all the middlemen. You don't need a survey. You don't need all this because you know everything that's happened to like that house since it was owned in the first place. Mm. Um, or the legal contracts are like shared in a decentralized way. I think there's just lots of ways where like the systems are really old and clunky. Yeah. And it's more about like refining that and making it decentralized rather than it is like, oh, what's some shiny thing that's going to come out of it? But the shiny things will come too. Mm. Is my opinion. So we're getting, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're going to get nothing new, but we're just going to get the things that we've already got done better. I think you'll get new and as safer well. and maybe cheaper, maybe easier as well. I agree. And that will people will move to easier, cheaper, and safer. You know, you'll see yeah. mass adoption when that starts to happen. Really. Yeah. Right. I get it now. I'm um, I'm more convinced by Web three. How's <laughs> good? Um, I'm how's, glad. And you're writing the newsletter as well. Yeah. Is that, is that fun? Do you enjoy that? Yeah, it's good. I've only done like uh, one so far, so I've got another one to do tomorrow. But yeah, I feel like it's just, it's more, it's almost like I'm I'm doing it for myself to in learn, a way yeah. because it's like I find it interesting and, and I feel like sometimes when you, if you don't repeat back information or have to explain it to other people, you oh. don't really learn it so like even me having to say this to you guys is like it's helpful because i'm like what am i trying to say and what are the points that are interesting yeah they say once you can teach something exactly you know it right exactly yeah hey wicked and do you find it easy to pull the content together 
for that. And I suppose the people that as well that are, are consuming it aren't experts themselves, right? You're not sending it to a load no. of professors in Web3. No, no. It's very much aimed at like people who are exactly like you guys. Like we're into streetwear. Definitely. Um, and we've heard about Web3. Yeah, and yeah. so we're it's interested. like, yeah, oh, is there a way that these two worlds kind of collide? And so it's probably going to take a while to get like a bit of an audience for it. But um. Again, it's sort of that thing of like not trying to be the first, but just getting in at the right time where it's like, okay, is there a voice in the at the moment in Web three talking about streetwear and Web three? Like maybe not. No. Um, or if they are, they're they're brands or companies that are inside of it trying to have a company, but is someone talking about what's happening? Sure. So like, you know. And it would almost yeah, it would be good to be a a first adopter if you have the knowledge as well if the time comes when there is some real real utility in it of course it would be good to be oh yeah ahead i would love curve, yeah right? i'd love to like i definitely want to do some stuff with not that deep like in the future where it connects to web3 but i just don't have i don't have the knowledge and i don't have like the resource at the moment sure to like know how to do it but um there's there's companies that are doing it well yeah. sarah it's been an absolute pleasure we'll have you on again that's for sure. Um, where can people find you and find Not That Deep? Uh, on Instagram. Obviously. With like no updates. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's at Not That Deep Store and the same on TikTok. And then the shop is notthatdeepstore.com. So yeah, you can go there, have a look. Or you can just find me on Instagram and then talk to me. Legend. And yeah, we'll definitely get you on again and definitely maybe with Jason as well. Be great oh, yeah. to get you both down. Oh, and, he and loves see. the chat, so he loves the chat. This so. would take four hours if it's <laughs> me and Good. Jason here. Like it would That's literally fine. take four hours. Do they hours. do four hour bookings? We can get <laughs> definitely do four hour bookings. Like, I don't know if anyone wants to hear four hours of me and Jason like going Hey, put it on the background. I know. You know the conversations we have. Maybe me and Jason <laughs> yeah. should start a podcast. Yeah, yeah, like a bedtime podcast. It's just talking about really boring shit. Why not? If it gets people to go to sleep, it's a success. <laughs> <laughs> people have only ever heard the first five minutes and then they fall asleep. Excellent. Well, that's that. Love it. Thanks. Thanks so much. Clap. Yeah, clap. Nice.